0: All right. Well, if you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter number five. And can you be a little bit faster next time? <laughs> um, Luke chapter number five. And uh, if you have your Bible or device. Uh, in 2022, there were some top Google trends. And those Google trends were pretty interesting. I mean, they're, none of them are going to probably sound unfamiliar to you. Uh, there was stuff like Johnny Depp. Uh, Will Smith, like, you know, the slap, um, all that, that was on there. Um, Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth. Um, Wordle was the number one search. thing. I, never, I don't know what that is. I was saying, the first, I don't know if that's something you drink or something you play or I don't know what it is. Um, but one of the, under the topics, it was how to help. And uh, that's one of the things that searched. And the top three really stuck out to me. The first one was uh, how to help Ukraine. The second one was, how do I help Ukrainian refugees? And the third one was, how do I help abortion rights? And it reminded me of a thing I've seen on 60 Minutes. Some of you probably have seen this, maybe some. Um, how do you guys miss Andy Rooney? Come on. How many even know who Andy Rooney is? Okay. All right. Or was. I have a bobblehead doll of his. Raise him, praise him. But anyway, um, but when you, when, when, on the 60 Minutes uh, episode, what it was is there was a children's hospital over in Ukraine, and uh, man, it was terrible. The, the people that were working there were having to take the kids uh, downstairs because there was missile fire right there near the hospital, and so they were not only battling whatever they were, the kids were suffering with, but they were also having to deal with you know, the possibility of you know, these hospitals being bombed that they were in. And so they were transporting people over here to the United States and different places to get these kids out so they can get care and My wife and I looked at each other watching this and we we're like, man, we gotta do something. So this is what we did. Nothing. Because you know what happens a lot of times as believers, what we do is we get something in our minds, but it never moves down to our feet. God might lay somebody or some issue on our heart but we don't ever get to the place where we actually do anything about it. and I'm guilty of that like anybody else. And so here in Luke chapter number five, we'll pick it up here in verse number 17, we see a story of these four people. They were all friends, obviously, I'm guessing, uh, and they uh, had carried a a paralyzed friend of theirs to to see Jesus, but there was a huge crowd there, and so they they had to figure out a way to get him to Jesus. So let's go ahead and jump in in verse number 17. Luke chapter number five. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching, Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So, This huge crowd of people had come and these guys had, uh, Jerusalem was about 120 miles from Capernaum here. So it probably took them like five days, four or five days to get there. And they all were coming at the same time. So it was kind of a big deal for all these guys to come and they were kind of sniffing Jesus out. Um, I feel like some of you are sniffing me out right up here. Who's this guy? Where's Pastor Keith? I don't know this guy. Is this the right channel? Some of you online, like, who is this? I had some of the kids in the back. They're like, why are you wearing that? Why is it you and not Pastor Matt or Pastor Keith? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. They're like, why aren't you practicing? I'm like, the accuser of the brethren. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so here's this group of people. And it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The religious people there. And behold, men brought in a bed, which was taken with uh, the guy that was paralyzed, uh, and they saw. They figured out. Tried to figure out a way to lay this paralyzed guy before Jesus. So there's this religious crowd, and then these four people said, "We got to bring our paralyzed friend to Jesus." Jesus had already been to the town before. Um, he had been to Capernaum before, but then he had left. And so they were like, "Man, this time he's here. We got to get you know our friend to Jesus because he'll be able to walk." Um, and but when they try to get there, they, there was a huge crowd. It says there in verse number 19. So it says in the middle of 19 that they went up on the housetop and they let their friend down. These four people let their friend down through the tiling with his bed into the midst before Jesus. So what they did was back then I, I looked up pictures of what houses might have looked like back then. And there was they would have ladders to the roof. You know, Peter prays in Acts 10. I think he goes on top of the roof and, or there were like steps uh, to, to lead up there. If you've played Zelda, you know what I'm talking about. And so, um, can I get a witness on that? This guy knows what I'm talking about, right, Zelda fan? And so, anyway, so they, they bring their friend up on top of the roof, and they like literally tear a hole in this roof, so there's like dust and dirt and everything falling down. And when they, when they uncover the roof, they're uncovering Jesus. They're getting their breakthrough, but they're like playing a part in their breakthrough, and so anyway, they, they, Jesus, while he's there and he sees this guy, them tearing up this roof and lowering uh, their friend, the Bible says in verse 20, when, when Jesus saw the man's faith, no, it says when he saw the faith of that group. And let me ask you this about your small group. When was the last time your small group required faith? I mean, when is it more than, okay, I'll get the pizza. We'll do what what we've always been doing. Man, wouldn't it be cool if in 2023 that God saw your small group's faith, that we did more than just get together, but we used our groups. And as groups, we were able to bring people to Jesus because that's what's happening in this story. So, whenever that happens, you see the religious leaders in, in verse 21, and they're starting to think inside their mind, and who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said to them, What reason? Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, the paralyzed guy. I say, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go into your house. So here's what happens: is Jesus tells the guy, he says, "Hey, your sins are forgiven." And then these guys start, you know, thinking in their mind. And Jesus does three three things supernaturally here. He forgives the guy. He reads these guys' minds, and he heals this guy so that he can walk. Right. And so they say, well, anybody could say, only God can forgive sins. That's easy to say. He's like, but here's the evidence. Here's the proof that his sins were forgiven so that you can know. And by the way, Jesus still has power while it's on earth, while you're on earth to forgive your sins. We don't get them forgiven when we're there. They get forgiven while we're here or they don't get forgiven, amen? And so here's what happens is he goes there and and, uh, he tells the guy to get up in verse 25. And immediately he got up before him and he took took at the to bed he was, uh, that he was being carried on and he departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. I wanna to talk to you about getting out of your head, getting out of your head. These people saw that, uh, that their friend had a need, but they didn't just think about it, they did something about it. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We pray that you would bless this time now. Father, we pray you every person watching online and uh, everybody who's just came today, maybe they don't even know why they're here, maybe they're here and they just feel like they need something. I pray, God, like that they, they would not just hear my voice, but they'd hear another voice, they'd hear yours, that you would speak to everybody that, that hears me, but they would hear you. And you'd give them clear next steps that they can take in their walk with you, or maybe the first step if they don't know you. I pray that you would just bless this time, help me to get through it. Uh, in a way that when everybody leaves that we're, we're different and closer to you and we pray with all our heart that you, Lord Jesus Christ, would receive maximum glory and honor because you alone are worthy of it and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna address three groups of people today and I wanna ask each of those three groups of people three different questions and so you're probably one of those three uh, groups of people and so I wanna help you get out of your head and you say, well, well why does this matter? Because if we don't get out of our head, we're, we're not gonna actually do the things that God's put in our head. It can't just stay in our head, does that make sense? Because what we think in our head usually comes out through our feet. We're gonna actually act upon those things that we think about. So uh, the first question I want you to ask yourself is this, what is hindering me, what is keeping me from bringing people to Jesus? What's, keeping me from, what's hindering me from bringing people to Jesus? Some people, you say, what do you mean? Well. There might be somebody God's laid on your heart recently or has been in the back of your mind and not just a family member, but a friend or somebody that you you work with, somebody maybe lives across the street. Um, And we have these two worlds. We have our church friends and then we've got the people that we work with and the people we interact with. And what we want to do as Grace is we want to bridge those worlds. And we all have that desire, but we maybe not know where to get started. And so maybe something's keeping you from just getting out of your head and doing something about it. Uh, some people might say, well, that's just not my gift. That's just, that's not my gift. That's not my personality. So uh, if you have, a, if you have your pen, I, wanna, I want you to write down a few references. We don't have time to go through all these, but if you have a pen and your, and your paper, go ahead and, and get this down. Um, these are all the references on sharing your faith, being a spiritual gift. Ready? Zero. There are none. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's not one of the spiritual gifts. If you read Romans 12, if you read 1 Corinthians 12, if you read 1 Corinthians 14, you'll see a lot of different spiritual gifts. But God has called all of us to share our faith. God has given some pastors and evangelists, but that's talking about spiritual leaders that travel. When it comes to us bringing people to Jesus, that's everybody's responsibility. Some people say, "Well, that's that, that's not my personality. I'm kind of a kind of an introvert." And man, listen, some of the people that God uses most when it comes to this, are introverts. You say, why? Because they don't beat people over the head with the Bible. They're not bullies. I mean, that's, that's what it is. If you ever met one of those, like, here, take this track, or you're gonna be you a know, turn or burn. You know what I mean? Thank God we don't go to that church, amen? <laughs> and then the last thing, like, yeah, oh, I want that. Thanks, man. Um, what a freak. And so anyway, some people say, well, that's just, that's just not my personality. You know, and listen, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men. You say, well, that's just not me. You follow him and he'll make you. He'll make you into that. As we fo- How can we say we're following Jesus if we're not even going fishing? Some people say it's not my personality. Some people say, well, that's not my responsibility. You know, God's already decided all of that. He's already decided who's going to be saved from the foundation of the world. William Carey was a guy in in England and back in the 1780s, what he did was um, he was at a minister's meeting there's this tradition passed down that this took place. And so um, he stood up with these people. A lot of them were semi-famous in their circle. And he says, look, I really feel like after reading the Bible that it's the church's job to take the gospel of good news to the rest of the world, even people who are different than us and even go other nations. And this guy stood up, his name I think was John Ryland. He was probably a really nice guy. And he said, young man, sit down. If God wants to convert the heathen, he'll do it without your aid or mine. William Carey didn't listen to that. And he went to India And there's churches still there today from under his influence. He translated the Bible into 29 different dialects, I believe. He had laws changed in the nation when it comes to children and it comes to uh, women. And God used him. And he didn't go over there just and preach his pet doctrine. He didn't go over there and say, hey, would you like to pray and ask John Calvin into your heart? Right? What he did was, because listen, all of us have certain preferences that that, that that matter to us. But we can't let our preferences take preeminence over the gospel. We can't let our, pref- some of us, we can't be as passionate about these, these things that like these little secondary things and forget the primary things. And I feel like when you talk to a lot of people, they're trying to convince you of, of what they believe. But man, we're not spending that effort to go out and reach people who don't know Jesus yet. And we can't say it's not our responsibility. It is our respons- responsibility and I don't know about you, but I'm not going to sit down. Look, I, I might not be qualified to be up here, but I'll say this. I love Jesus. And man, I love lost people. And I want them to know what I know, what it's like to be forgiven. And I want their life to be changed because God has changed my life. And if you're here, you don't know, the Lord, I want God to do that for you today. I don't think we need as much Bible studies as we need to be going out to the lost. I think Oswald Smith said, my friends, we are loaded down with church, endless church activities while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing or reaching the lost almost goes entirely neglected. And we have great ministries here. We really do. And I'm, there's no, but we also need to make sure that we're trying to see people come to the Lord. Does that make sense? If it does say Amen. I mean, we don't have a a lame church or a lame pastor or a lame God, amen? We really don't. I mean, listen, I I said this in the first service. Like, aren't you glad when you come to grace, you're not, somebody's not getting up. Hey, we're we're taking up an offering day so the pastor can get a jacuzzi in his prayer room. You know what I mean? Aren't you glad that we we, we don't have a church like that? Some of you been Some of you still go to churches like that. But some people, they say, well, I just, I know I've got, what's blocking you? It is your responsibility. It's not about gifting. It's not about personality. And maybe you say, well, I tried and it just didn't work. Or things got weird or whatever. These people tried and there was obstacles. They missed Jesus the first time he came. The next time they came, there was a big crowd. They couldn't get him in. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't give up. And some of us, you know, we've done, we've given up on people. Um, Tomorrow would be one year since my dad died. And I did evangelize, you know, I talked to my dad about the Lord. But looking back, I think I could have done more. I think, I mean, I don't think I really like try. These guys tried hard. And sometimes I think we try and then we give up. So don't do that for your Dad. What would have happened if they would have given up? This guy's life would have stayed the same. He would have never known what it was like to be forgiven or have his life change. Unbelievers aren't just looking, they might not be looking for Jesus, but they are looking for friends that won't give up on them. What if we had small groups get up and say, you know, we're just gonna take some time and we're going to try to reach, we're going to, as a group, not one person trying to do the whole thing, try to bring somebody. We're going to try to pray some people to Jesus. We're going to try to love some people to Jesus. That's what we need a grace. Yeah. We don't need just more and more Bible studies and hanging out with people just like us. We need, you have friends and you know that they need the Lord and God's put that on your heart. You got to get that out of your head. You got to, you got to, do, you got to do something about it while you can um, some people say, "Well, I don't want to look like a freak." Well, um, sorry, you, you you are a freak. <laughs> no, um, no. Barna did some research recently that did, did a survey, and um, and this Barna survey they surveyed believers, people who claimed that they were Christians, and three out of four of them surveyed viewed themselves as reluctant conversationalists. What does that mean? They're, they're, I just, they're, they're hesitant to talk about it. I think they said that they had, most people have less than six spiritual conversations a year with people who were unsaved. But if we look at how they did research for the uh, unchurched people, this is pretty interesting. Um, the, give me the next one here. Two out of three uh, respondents said this is unchurched people. They said they were highly unlikely to attend a church anytime soon but four out of five were willing to talk about faith with Christian friends. So here, so what's the point? We see that, and they said 80% of believers said the greatest thing that could happen to somebody was that they, you know, uh, that they came to faith in Jesus. They got to know the Lord for themselves. But you know what ends up happening? Is that nobody wants to talk about it. Believers, don't, they don't think anybody wants to hear about it. But four out of five were willing to talk about it with their friend. So, we got to get out of this Jack in the Beanstalk evangelism where it's just 10, you got 10 minutes and I got to tell you everything I know. We have to become friends with people. They got to know that they're not a project. Does that make sense? They got to know if they disagree with you, you're not going to treat them any different. Right? Does, does that make sense? Yes. Uh, one out of four were willing to attend a small group for, f- with friends for people who were curious about faith if somebody asked them to. You say, well, Well, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have something, if anybody (laughs) did. Um, But anyway, uh, we have something here at Grace. It's called Christianity Explored. And we've started a little bit over a year ago. We did it with the Next Gen on Wednesday nights. We were doing it at homes. And guys, we've seen people come to the Lord in both. As a result of it, and that, that still come here. We're seeing people not just saved, but seeing people saved. We have one that's about to get baptized, another one about to get baptized. And so God really uses us. And what it is is it's seven weeks of the Gospel of Mark, and it shows them who Jesus is, why he came, and then how they're supposed to respond. Because I think a lot of times we're starting to confuse that good works and the gospel are the same thing. And there's a difference between good news and good works. See, I can, we need to do both, right? But Jesus didn't say go into all the world and be a good example, even though we should. He said, we need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so it's really not even, salvation's not even about what I can do for people as much as it is what Jesus has done for people. And so we wanna train you, we don't just send you out on these things so that you can clearly communicate your faith and be effective when it comes to to reaching your friends and family. And instead of trying to get in this high-pressured conversation, we get seven. You get seven weeks where you and your group are praying daily for these people. So you're saturating these people with prayer. You're you're kind of giving them time and space to ask questions. We don't ask anything. We don't ask no money. We don't uh, you know tell them to dress up. We don't sing any songs. They don't have to. They can ask whatever question or ask nothing. But they get a free meal, and so we give them time and space to do it. Man, if God's laying that on your heart, you don't have to do all of that by yourself. But maybe I'm looking for some people today that'll say, Hey, I'll be one of four. I'll be one of a small group of people that will help to bring somebody to Jesus. We're gonna be doing that. We're gonna be, uh, you can do it in your homes and we can, with your small group maybe, and maybe you guys wanna pray about that. But uh, we're gonna have a big launch here on February 21st at the church. And so it's the week after Valentine's Day. So mark that down if you're interested. And man, we need some people say, I'll be one of four, I'll bring people. I will pray for people. I will invite people. Um, I will help with the kids. We're going to do this for, for couples. Um, we know that we identified that there's some couples in here that don't get to be a part of small group because they have large families. And we don't want to penalize you for that. We're going to have child care here for that too. But we want to get people to, some people aren't always going to come on Sunday morning, but they might come to that group. And we want you to start praying about them. So come talk to me, or I think there's some email information on the back of their notes. Um, But just be thinking about that. Um, And so some of you might be in here and say, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, not everybody in this story really believed what Jesus was saying. They weren't always picking up what he was laying down. And so for those of you that are in here and don't really buy into Jesus yet, and you're just here and we're glad that you're here, I wanna ask you a question. And that question would be this, what prejudices are keeping me from following Jesus? We say, what do you mean? Well, we all have prejudices. A prejudice would be defined as, it's not a word we use all the time anymore. And you might think of race or gender, but a lot of people have prejudices towards Jesus and Christians, I mean, it's the only accepted form of hate worship I know of, right? <laughs> so, is Christianity, right? And so, uh, there are these beliefs that people have. They're preconceived ideas based off, uh, not based off reason or actual experience. So, some people have uh, what they do, one of their prejudices that they have is some people confuse Jesus with religion. They confuse Jesus with religion. Say, so what do you mean? These four people didn't bring their friend to the religious leaders. Why? Because they knew those religious leaders couldn't do anything for him. They couldn't change him, couldn't help him. And let me tell you this, please don't, we're not trying to get you to a program. Christianity Explored is not, you know, the final thing. It's just the mat, right? It's just the tool that God uses to bring people to him. It's just a tool. But we're not trying to get you into a program and we're not trying to get you into religion. You say, why? Because religion can't forgive you. And religion can't change anything in your life. And so please don't confuse Jesus with religion because religion will get you in bondage. And religion's after your money, but Jesus is after your heart. And so uh, some people confuse Jesus with religion. Some people refuse Jesus in order to keep their religion. And that's what happened in this passage here. In verse 17, all these different religious leaders, they came from all, you know, miles and miles away. And at the end of the day, after they saw the power of God and saw God completely change somebody, they, they didn't even care. They just said, you know what? No, we're gonna go back to what we believe. And it's crazy. You know what a lot of people do? A lot of people choose religion over Jesus. They refuse Jesus. And you know what you might need, you might need to do? You might need to get out of your mind. You might need to get out of your head and say, why? Because The healing that he talks about at the beginning of the passage, that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And let me say this, the power of the Lord is present to heal not just your body this morning, but your mind. Not all healing is physical. And some of us need to be healed from the religions that we came out of or that our parents put us through. Not all of them. But man, I'm telling you, some of these things, listen, the... Some people are so protective of the religion that it's never done jack squat for them. Jack squat, that's all it's done. Ain't done nothing. I know I didn't go full 90, but what I'm trying to say is this. Some people, man, don't confuse Jesus, don't refuse Jesus. And some people, you know what they do? They accuse Jesus of every bad thing that's happened to him. This guy who was paralyzed when he gets in front of Jesus, he doesn't say, Jesus, why would you do this to me? God, why, why has God put me in this situation? And see, that's a common thing. People who don't know God often blame God for everything bad that happens to them. And listen, Jesus, when, he, when children were there, Jesus didn't hurt children. God's not hurting children. When God was on earth and children came to him, he took them up into his arms. He didn't make, go around making people sick. He went around taking sickness away. And so, listen, Jesus is not trying to ruin your life. The Bible says the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I hope you get that. If you don't get anything this morning, some of you need to know this, that Jesus did not come to destroy your life. He's not the cause of all this stuff. If you read Luke 13, 16, we ain't got time, but Jesus talks about this woman who was bound for 18 years. He says, shouldn't God, he says, shouldn't this woman who's been Bound by Satan for 18 years, be loosed. He came and healed her. Was it God that made her sick? No, God's got two places. He created, he created a garden, he created heaven. There's no sickness in either one of them. God, I'm not trying to get all weird on you, but all I'm trying to say is God's not going around trying to pass around sickness. God's trying to, he wants to help people. God wants to help you more than your mama and Dr. Phil, amen? That's the point. Now, you need to get out of your head because you might just be walking away from forgiveness. Now, there's a last group that I want to address. And that group that I want to address is this. There's people who say, well, I'm forgiven. I've been you know, coming to church for a while. Listen, Jesus tells these people, or he tells this guy, he says, hey, your sins are forgiven. And these critics in the passage, they're like, well, who can forgive sins but God? And they were right. These guys knew about forgiveness, but they had never experienced forgiveness. See, there's two kinds of knowledge. You guys know what they are, right? There's trivial knowledge and there's experiential knowledge. Trivial knowledge, oh, what's two plus two? Ooh, it's four. Uh, You know, who's gonna win the Super Bowl this year? Ooh, ooh, 49ers, right? Okay, no, I'm not preaching right now. I'm telling you the truth, right? No. (laughs) And then there's, there's trivial knowledge, like, like yeah, I know something. And then there's experiential knowledge. Like when you go through something, it's like, man, I know what it's like to lose somebody that you, that you love. Not like I know. And these guys knew, oh, God can forgive sins. But they never experienced forgiveness of sins for themselves. And man, something that's really bothering me right now, just right now, is this. I really think 100% there are people in this room and there are people that are watching online that you know God can forgive sins. And like these guys, you might know a couple Bible verses, they know a bunch, but you've never experienced forgiveness for yourself. And Jesus is like, He's not just ripping on these guys. He's like, Look, I want you to know that the Son of Man's got power to forgive sins. I want you to experience that. Let me ask you this Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Can you take me to that place when it happened? Some people say, well, I'm forgiven. Well, the evidence that this guy was forgiven was that his life was changed. He didn't just, Jesus is like, okay, you're forgiven. They didn't even bring him for that, right? They, when, what do you think they thought? Like, hey, your sins are forgiven. Thanks, it's not why we brought him, but that's cool too, right? But you know what? how we know that his sins were forgiven? Because he got up and walked. He didn't say, all right, get back on the stretcher. Guys, thanks, Jesus. Piece in a bottle of hair grease. And then took, they, all four of them took him away, right? What they did was, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> let me address that. Yes, I said hair grease. Um, but here's what happened. He didn't, he didn't leave the same as he came is what I'm trying to say. And listen, if you're forgiven, not only will your life change, but just like in this story, everybody else is gonna see it. Can anybody else tell that your life has changed? There's evidence when you've been forgiven. They all glorified God. And so I want you to notice this too as a church, and I'm about done right here, is that what did Jesus do before he changed the man's life and fixed his problem? Some of you might, and we might bring people because they have problems in their marriage, they got problems with their finances, they got problems with their kids, they got problems because they lost their job, they might have health issues, and sometimes God uses that to get a hold of our hearts. But Jesus doesn't fix the guy's problem first. What does he do? He forgives the sins. And you know what we're great at here? Grace, I believe, genuinely. We're great at helping people with stuff that they're going through. It's something that we do, we meet felt needs. But we, first we gotta make sure people are forgiven. And it's not either or, it's gotta be both. And so I'm, I'm calling to all the ministries of the youth and with college and career and with all of the groups that we have that we can't just help people. You can't disciple somebody who's not saved. We've gotta make sure that they get their sins forgiven too. We've gotta do both. Does that make sense? We gotta do both. And so listen, you've got a responsibility. So what, what's the point of all of this? Well, here, here's my big point, okay? Here's my big point. If you don't get out of your head, you're never gonna do anything with your feet. You're never, it's never gonna, you, you have to get out of your head like, okay, I, I love this person, but uh, I can't do anything. By faith, say, I'm gonna do something. If you don't get out of your head, some of you are gonna walk away from forgiveness. Some of you are going to walk away from God changing your life. For salvation to take place, we've got to get out of our head and take a step towards Jesus. If you're wanting to see people saved, we, we have to stop just wishing them well. We've got to start working towards their salvation. A few months back, I, I, I saw um, a video uh, and it captured uh, surveillance on a camera, so uh, If you get a chance, let's go ahead and take a look at that. I'm so sorry. Your your garage is on fire. Oh. go get over there go no. no. so I, I read the interview and saw the interviews and read the articles and that couple that was inside was actually just inside watching Stranger Things and they had no idea that their house was on fire. And it made me think, I feel like a lot of us in here today, maybe you're online, and we're just binge watching our way through life and we don't realize our house is on fire. We can't smell the smoke. And all of us have been numbed to reality and to spiritual things in here because of screen, too much screen time. Amen? Amen. And man, what if I walked by your house and I saw your house on fire, but I didn't do anything about it? What would that say about me? It's like, well, I just don't wanna embarrass them or intrude their space. What would you think of me? If a doctor knew that you had cancer and you go to the doctor And the doctor knew, but he didn't want to like offend you or like alarm you. And he didn't tell you why you could still treat the cancer. Would he be a good doctor? Christians, listen, if we truly love people, we're going to not just do good things for them. We're going to say some hard things so we can keep them from things that are worse. And we've got to do something about it. We've got to get out of our head. If you're in here and you don't, Know the Lord. And maybe God's been working on you. Maybe you're in here, you got questions. And come talk to me after. Talk to Pastor Keith after. That's, that's fine. You can talk to one of the leaders here. But maybe today's the day. Maybe today online, today's the day. There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible, but sinners do pray in the Bible. And man, you could call on the Lord in repentance and faith and put your trust in Jesus Christ once and for all and get experienced forgiveness in your sins. Maybe Jesus is... It's not some stranger knocking on the door, but it's Jesus. He says, "Behold, would I stand at the door and knock? If any man hear my voice, I will come into him and sup with him." And so, here's all I'm trying to say: is listen. Not talking about listening to my voice, but if God's laying it on your heart, say, "Look, today's a day, man. I, I pray that you would come to Christ the best way you know how." But believer, what does that say about us if we see people's house on fire that we know? We know people that don't know the Lord, and we don't say anything. We cannot just have fun Bible studies and have fellowship and all that stuff. And the people that we care most about, not give them the truth. We gotta do something about it. And so I think that God's gonna do something here at our church with it. I really do. I'm excited about it. And um, listen, if you're in here today and you wanna be involved in that, like just put something in on the email or, or come see us. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, maybe you have questions, then come talk to us. If, if you're here and you're saying, man, no, I, I wanna experience forgiveness. Listen, today's a day. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he got holes in his hands for touching things you never should have touched and swiping things you never should have swiped and, and holes in his feet for being places that none of us should have ever been and a crown of thorn on his head for thinking things you never should have thought. And Jesus went to the cross for you. When he was on the cross, there was two thieves. The one on the left and the one on the right. And, and the, one on the, the other one asked to be saved, but he wasn't genuine. The other one says, hey man, I deserve to be punished for the things I've done. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And he didn't get all the words, right? Because it's not about magic. Jesus is better than magic, amen? But here's what it's about. He says, Lord, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus says, look, I guarantee you. Four things, I guarantee you today, Today, not tomorrow, not 40 years from now, today. I'm not gonna remember you, bro. You're going to be with me. And the worst day of your life because you're dying and you're bleeding. But guess what? I'm dying and I'm bleeding here for you. It's about to be the best day of your life because you're gonna be with me today in paradise. And let me tell you this, you can get eternal life today. But you've got, look, he's got power to forgive sins today, but it's only while you're on earth. So please move while God's working on your heart. I'm gonna close in prayer. And I just want you to be obedient to whatever God's asking you to do. Maybe it's the next step or maybe it's the first step, but let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for everybody who's here, everybody who's watching online. Please speak to every heart. God, I pray you'd help believers, whoever you've brought to their mind, help them not to give up on them. Please, God. And I pray, God, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, that today they would just respond. They'd come forward or they'd call on you in genuine genuine repentance and faith. We know nobody comes to the son except you, your own father. So we pray for you to do what only you can do and we'll give you all the glory and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, don't forget, still have the ladies' discipleship. Check out the ladies' discipleship table on your way out. Uh, Ladies, if you wanna do that and you are dismissed.